us by His Spirit when we come and gather together. He says where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is right in the midst. And we felt His presence this morning. And we know that He is going to minister unto us. Continuing on in uh, the ministry on the habitation, Pastor didn't give me direction, but Holy Spirit did. I just continue on with this and, and flow in the direction He gave, the Holy Spirit gave me. Uh, and I want to talk to you about a habitation of God's character. A habitation of God's character. What does God desire for us to do and to be? How does God desire for us as a fellowship, as individual Christians, when we look at the body of Christ and we are all adopted into the body of Christ, do we love our brothers and our sisters? Do we get along with our brothers, adopted brothers and sisters? <laughs> you know, that's a good question that came to my mind. You know, but anyway, let's read our text here. Psalm 26, verse 8. Lord, I have loved the refuge of your house, the habitation of your house, and the place where your glory dwells. And that word for glory there is kabod, which is a word in the Hebrew that means there's a weightiness. There's a weightiness, a heaviness. You know, sometimes a heaviness is good because it causes us to stop. And to think when there's a heaviness of God's presence. And that honor or that glory dwells in God's house. And He wants to minister unto each one of us. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the character of God like? We know, for one thing, that God is holy, right? We know that He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. We know that He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. We know that He is omnipotent, which means He is all-powerful. And that we know that, just like we sang about this morning, that He loves us with an undying love. There are many things that we can talk about, but what I want to focus on today is God's love, acceptance, and forgiveness. His love, His acceptance, and His forgiveness. We used to have a banner at the back of our church on the sound booth there that said that we are an oasis of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And that's kind of the philosophy of our ministry, of our church, that we are an oasis of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Let me say that again. And maybe you can say it with me. We are an oasis of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Because that's what God wants us to to be. Now, love has many types that, that in the Greek language, many words, and there are many things in Scripture that talk about love, but one of the words for love in the Greek language was the word eros, which was a word that for physical love. And, and I want you to understand, though, it's only mentioned one time in the whole Bible. You thought it might have been mentioned more than that when God talks about love between a husband and a wife, He doesn't use that word. You know, the only place it's what is is in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and it's in Proverbs chapter seven. It says, 
Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. Unfortunately, that's talking about a woman that's an adulteress, and she's calling out to somebody to come and have an affair with us, with her. God doesn't focus so much on that kind of love. Now, when you are in love, hopefully it's not puppy love, because puppy love leads to a dog's life. When you are in love, I hope you don't fall in love, because sometimes if we were to fall in love, we have blinders on. And this kind of love will do that. You know, and, and my wife and I enjoy watching Chicago Fire, and but sometimes those people are really messed up. I mean, <laughs> they're just falling in love and out of love with different people, and and. They're putting out fires and they're saving people, but, but the world's way of love is not the church's way. The world's thought of love is eros. I remember several years ago also watching Love Boat, and Captain Steubing was doing a mass wedding ceremony. And he said, will you lo love each other as long as you both shall love? Instead of as long as until death do you part. He said, as long as you both shall love. Now that, here's a Christian guy. He's, that's what he says. He's a Christian guy. And yet he says that. The commitment, you see, to marriage is not as both long as you both shall love. It's not as long as the fire is there. It's not as long as the eros is there. Marriage is a commitment of love that says, I will love you in the good times and the bad times. I will love you regardless of what happens. I will love you with God's love. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself because here I was talking about eros love and, and I've gone into talking about agape love. But let me first go into phileo love because that's mentioned in the scriptures. Brotherly love. And we sang about that a little bit this morning, that God is our friend. And, and brotherly love is talking about being a friend. When Lazarus died in John chapter 11, his sister sent words to him, which is Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. In other words, he whom is your friend, phileo love. And so Jesus had friends. Lazarus was a friend that, Loved Jesus and helped him when he came through in his ministry. I think Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were wealthy people. And they helped support the ministry of Jesus. Gave him a place to stay when he was coming to Jerusalem, which is nearby their home. So there's that brotherly love. And then we have the word that is primarily used in the scriptures. And that's the word agape. Agape was not a common word that was used by the Greeks. And I think that's why... God chose that Jesus, when he would come, and the apostles would write the, the New Testament, that they would use that word agape for the word for love, the God kind of love, the Jesus kind of love. Here it is in John 3.16. You know it. You can say it along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. The love of God is unconditional. It doesn't say, well, I will love you if. It doesn't mean God doesn't want us to change and be different, but he loves us regardless. Someone once said, and, and I think that there might be some merit to this, the hell of being in hell, follow me here, because God said in his word, he says, wherever there is anywhere, there I am. David said, though if I make my bed in hell, you are there. <coughs> so let me say this, going back to what I said. When I got your attention when I said the hell of hell, right? The hell of hell will be people feeling the presence of God, but not being able to respond to it. How sad and how tragic that will be for those people. But for us right now, we're alive right now, and we have the opportunity to respond to the love of God. But the love of God that we're talking about here is, again, it's unconditional. It is a love like uh, a friend of mine, Bob McDonald, some of you may know him, uh, when he used to speak, uh, at times I would hear him and he would say, the love of God is such that it allows you to be beaten to a bloody pulp and nailed to a cross. That's the love of God. That's the agape love of God. That's the love that the Lord wants us to have really toward one another. Agape love. Oh, you can have a friendly love with people, and you can have an eros relationship with your wife or your husband, but God wants us to love one another regardless of what one another does. <laughs> regardless what the other person does to you. Can you love them? Can you love them unconditionally? Can you love them if they're not nice to you? Can you love them if they're not just how you think they should look? God wants us to love people, whoever they are, regardless of how they are. He wants us to love them. Where does that love come from? It comes from God and His Holy Spirit. He brings His love so that we can have that love in our hearts. Paul wrote this, he says, The love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God comes then from the Holy Spirit and it's shed abroad inside of us so that it covers not just my heart, but it also covers my mind. So that His love then takes even that time when someone did me wrong, and it says, I can cover over that. Because the scripture also says in another place, love covers a multitude of sin. Wow. So then if we love someone, then we're not going to go tell all their dirty laundry. Right? If we love someone, we're going to be reaching out to them and caring for them and understand, trying to understand them, trying to help them, trying to encourage them. Because all of us 
Say, that's me. If you're very awake, all of us, that's me. We're once where some of our people that we see and that we may see coming in, all of us were there at one time or another. So what do we do? We continue to walk in the love of God. Now remember Peter. He's most noted for, I guess, in the Gospels as denying Christ three times, even though he said, I will never deny Christ. But yet he did. He denied Christ three times. And it grieved his heart. He went out after Christ saw him the third time. He went out and when, when Christ saw him, and he went out and wept bitterly and, and repented of that. And so Jesus rose from the dead. You know, one of the one first people that Jesus wanted to see when he rose from the dead was Peter. He said, Mary, go tell the disciples and Peter that I've risen from the dead. You see, when we fail, God doesn't, just like Sister Virginia said, God doesn't kick us to the curb and say, you're done. You're no good. You're rotten. God doesn't do that. The devil does that. That's condemnation. God loves us, and God loved Peter. Christ loved Peter. And so, as they Jesus had been risen from the dead, and then he walked among the disciples and taught them, Peter had to finally come to the place where he had to deal with his denial of Jesus. And we find in the book of John, chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Because the word that Jesus is using there is the word agape. Peter, do you love me with unconditional love? Would you go to the cross for me, Peter? More than anybody else, more than any these fishing things, more than eating fish, uh, more than any of the other disciples, will you love me unconditionally like that? Peter's response. He said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. What was he saying there? You know that I love you like a friend. He said phileo. He used that word. He said, you know I love you like a friend. That's as much as I can muster right now, Jesus. So Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again, the second time, whoa, wait just a minute, let me stop right there. When we fail and Jesus restores us, he says, hey, you have a position, you have, can do something in my kingdom. You see, Jesus didn't just say to Peter, you'll never be worth nothing. You'll never be able to feed anybody. You'll never be able to teach anybody. You'll never be able to witness anybody. He never said that. He restored Peter and he said, you can do it. You can do it. And then he goes on, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Oh, Lord, you asked me that the second time. You asked me the first time and I told you my answer. And here's the answer that, G that Peter gives. He said to him, yes, Lord, 
you know that I love you. I phileo you. I still got the same answer, Lord. I still phileo you. That's all that I can get to. I can't love you unconditionally. I just don't feel that. I, you know my failures. You know my weaknesses, Lord. What does the Lord say? Tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, Simon, now, okay, let me get down to where you are. Simon, do you really, am I really your friend? Do you really phileo me? Do you really love me as a friend? See, I don't know where you are this morning in your walk with the Lord, but he knows where you are. <laughs> he knows right where you are. He knows right what you need. And to Peter, he said, he cut right to the chase. Do you really love me as a friend? Peter's response was that he was grieved when he asked him the third time, do you really phileo me, you love me? And Jesus said to, uh, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And again, Peter's just still saying, I love you as a friend. But, you know, he's still couldn't get quite there but Jesus purpose was still even though his opinion of himself was low Jesus still was wanting to restore Peter because he knew that Peter would be one of the outstanding men in the first century church Jesus said to him feed my sheep wow what an awesome responsibility Peter had it said that when Peter was in living in Rome later on, that word got out that Nero was looking for him specifically because Nero was just really known for one of the things he did was crucify Christians, well, dip them in oil, crucify them, and then light, up, light them up for his garden parties. That's what Nero did. And he was looking for Peter. And so Peter was trying to escape. He was trying to get out of the city without being seen. And Jesus came walking into the city. And Peter said, Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus responded, I am going into the city to be crucified. And that, that, was, that was a vision to Peter, but something that, wasn't really Jesus there, but he turned around because of that. It touched his heart and he turned around and went back into the city and surrendered himself to be crucified. But then he demanded that they crucify him upside down because he didn't feel fit because of his denial of Christ. Wow. But the love of God is something that he wants all of us to have. And it's a growing thing, mind you. Because you know that love is one of the fruit of the Spirit? You don't get it automatically. Oh, yes, when you get, become a Christian, you feel good all over. You love people, but that has to grow. Because, you know, sooner or later, somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. And how are you going to respond to that? You're going to have to love them. Amen. We used to sing a chorus called, I love you with the love of the Lord. That's a great chorus. Anybody know that? 
Hey, good. Okay, so we're going to sing it, and I want you to look at somebody when we sing it, okay? I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you the glory of our King, and I love you with the love of the Lord. I love you with the love of the Lord. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you the glory of our King, and I love you with the love of the Lord. So that's the first part of our philosophy of ministry, is love. And again, it's unconditional love. It's love that doesn't require to be loved back. It says, I love you the way you are. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there with you. I want you to grow in Christ, but I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Praise the Lord. Let's go on to the second part, and it's acceptance. Acceptance. I accept you. I accept you as a part of the body of Christ. I accept you as my brother and my sister in Christ. Amen. How can I do that? Because God's accepted me. Here it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He bestowed on us, graciously bestowed on us, You know what? I got the wrong reference. I must be related to Pastor Kevin. But the scripture that I wanted said he has accepted us in the beloved. That is not Ephesians 1.6. That's Ephesians 1.16. Verse 6. Can you get that? No? Okay. That's all right. To the praise and of the glory of His grace, which He graciously bestowed on us in the Beloved, which is the way my translation reads. The New King James says, He has accepted us in the Beloved. If God has accepted us, then we are accepted. Amen. And if God has accepted you, who am I to say, well, you're not part of me. God's accepted you. And the same way we could say it in the reverse. If God's accepted me, who are you to say God has that you can't accept me? <laughs> I accept you as a part of the body of Christ. I accept you as my brother or my sister in Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Because God has adopted us into his family. And he has adopted us and made us to be brothers and sisters. Amen. That wasn't too enthusiastically received. Let me go back a little bit and retrace. Adopted children don't always have the same birth parents. But when they're adopted into a family, they have to get along to get along. Get along, get along, okay? And 
Yet, when we are adopted into the body of Christ, we are adopted into the body of Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, we are children of the King. And as that old hymn says, I'm a child of the King. His royal blood now flows in my veins. So if his royal blood now flows in my veins and he flows in your veins, then we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. So if you're not as far along as I am, it might be because you're not as old as I am. <laughs> it might be because you haven't been as through as much as I've been through. But God takes all of us along at this different rate as much as we can handle, as much as we can stand. But I accept you because you're my brother, you're my sister. Amen. I accept you in the body of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's go on to the third part. Forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Wow. Be kind. Man, if they can expect that in a video store, well, not so much anymore because it's all DVDs, but remember when they were VCRs? It said, be kind, rewind. <laughs> if the world can expect that, to be people to be kind, don't you think as Christians we can expect ourselves to be kind? One another to be kind? But the next part of that is forgiving one another. Why do we have to forgive someone? Because Christ forgave us. Jesus told that parable in Matthew 18. He said there was a king who had a servant that owed him 10, uh, uh, different translations say something, well, let's say $10,000. And he couldn't pay. The king was going to throw him into jail until he paid, but he couldn't pay. And he came to the king begging, King, please, I will pay you all that you I owe you, but just have mercy on me. And the king said, well, I forgive the debt. Well, then the servant went out, and he found somebody that owed him $10. And he said, Pay me what you owe me. And the man said, have mercy on me. I will pay you all that you have. Using the same words that the guy previously had used. I will pay you all that I had owed you. Have mercy on me. And the guy didn't have mercy, though. He grabbed him and he threw him into debtor's prison until he could pay it off. Jesus said this. He said, so if you do not forgive, your father will not look kindly on you. Because what the king did, he took that unforgiving servant and he threw him into prison. God will not look kindly on us because we've been forgiven if we don't forgive others. You know, there's two places in Scripture where it talks about forgiveness. One, it says, if you come to the altar and you remember that your brother has ought against you. In another place it says, 
if you come to the altar and you remember that you have ought against your brother. Both of them. Either way. That's unforgiveness. If we hold something in our hearts against someone else. We hold bitterness, anger, and resentment. You know, I live out in the country, and I can't keep up with the dandelions. You know, it, uh, anybody recognize that? You know, that's, you know what I mean. I mean, I go along and I, I nip the flowers off when I can. Sometimes I grab a hold of them, try to pull them up by the roots. You know, those suckers are hard to get up by the root. Because sometimes their root can be about that long. And if you don't get the whole root, it's going to grow up again. One of the epistles says this, Beware lest any root of bitterness spring up, and by that many be defiled. Beware lest any root, root, deep root, of bitterness spring up. Pull it up. Which is easier to pull up? Something when it has just sprung up or something that's gotten big? I, get, I have oak trees too. And I have a, a nice little rose bed in the front of my house. And there's an oak tree that hangs over that. And I had to go pick up all the acorns, Terry. Because those old acorns just wanted to go down and take root. And when I didn't get them all, some of them did spring up. And they got little, oh, these little flowers, that, you know, these little leaves that stick out. Oh, they're nice. They're springing up. They're wanting to go. And but I can pull them up now. Sometimes I get the acorn that's the nut where, you know, that's the heart of it. Sometimes that comes up too. Sometimes it doesn't come up. If I let it go, it's going to grow up into an oak tree. I certainly don't want an oak tree in my rose garden. That wouldn't work. Are you following me? If we let anything like a little bitterness, a little seed of bitterness, come up in our hearts, we let it grow. The more we let it get out of control, the more we let it get bigger and bigger and bigger, it will take over our lives until we are consumed with that unforgiveness, that hatred, that anger. We don't want to do that as Christians. God, help us. Amen. All right. Let's see what the Lord Jesus said about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Part of the Lord's Prayer, or what we should call probably our Father, because the Lord's Prayer is really in John chapter 17. That's when the Lord prays for us in the church. But here he says in the Our Father, he says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Wow. C.S. Lewis said this, Forgiveness is a great thing when you have to be the one to be forgiven. But when you're the one that has to forgive, then that's a little bit harder, not as easily acceptable. <laughs> All right. So letting someone off is part of forgiveness. 
verse 14, he says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, if you forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, think, 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 think. Is there anybody, man, woman, adult, child, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, niece, nephew, anybody that you have not forgiven? Not asking you to raise your hand or holler out who it is. I'm just saying, do this exercise. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Sometimes that cloud can hang over us and we have to say, Lord, forgive me. And I want to forgive them. Because forgiveness is part of being a family in the family of God. It is. It's part of being in the family. Peter, again, here he is. Peter always comes up with the question that's on everyone's mind. Everyone was wanting to ask it, but only Peter was brave enough to ask it. Okay, Lord, you want me to forgive? Then Peter said, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Until seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but into 70 times seven. Here's what Peter was thinking. Lord, I'm going to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. If he does it the eighth time, I'm going to punch his lights out. And Jesus said no. Seventy times seven, which was another way Jesus was saying unlimited. Unlimited. Do not count. Lose track. Have you ever considered... That maybe, just maybe, God has put people in our lives that annoy us so that he could help us to develop into the people he wants us to be. You know how a pearl is made, right? A pearl gets in, a piece of sand gets into a clam. And that clam is irritated. So it secretes a substance around that piece of sand and secretes a substance around that piece of sand and secretes a substance around that piece of sand until it develops a beautiful pearl. Someone irritates you? Show them the love and forgiveness of God. Amen. They irritate you? Just surround them with His presence until it develops a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pearl in your life. Amen. Wonderful concept. If we are to get ready to dwell where God's glory is, we need to be a people of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Amen. I want to know God. I want to be in His presence. Oh, just like we sang about this morning. Oh, yes, I want to be in His presence. And the Lord says, yeah, Love, accept, forgive, and then you can come in and be with me.
because that's the way I am. Won't we be surprised when we get to heaven and sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb if the very person that's sitting across the table from us is maybe the person that helped develop us into the Christian that we're supposed to be <laughs> by their orneriness. <laughs> Amen. God loves you. He really does. He really does. Won't you stand with me? Oh, wait, I got 15 more minutes. You can stand. I'm just kidding. <coughs> Lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, we love you. We know that many times we fall way short of what we should be. We ask for your forgiveness today, Lord, and your help. Help us to love as you love, Jesus. Help us to love unconditionally. Help us to accept our brothers and sisters in Christ. Even those that may not be of this body, Lord, help us to accept them. And Lord, help us to live in forgiveness and to forgive one another. And Lord, may we develop into the beautiful people that you want us to be. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. I've got a signal from the back before you leave. Wednesday night service at 6. And then men's breakfast on Saturday at 8.30 at Myrtle's. Women's meeting at 10 at Johnny's. All right. If you have any questions about any of those, see Brother Dennis about the men and see Sister Virginia about the women. God bless you. If you need prayer, I'll be here in the front. Amen.